0: Hi, and welcome to Listen Up, Aholes—the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that's not airing its dirty laundry in front of the bad guys right now. I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions,
1: and I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we are working our way through the good, the bad, and the gravitonium of the MCU.
0: So, listen up, aholes. We're going to talk about Agents of Shield season five, episodes eleven through twenty-two—the Home Again arc.
1: just the look on your face as it's we start tough this one.
0: it's a tough one it's a tough one yeah. and I mean I mean the four color facts and mm-hmm. the actual episodes it's a tough one I am glad you prepared our <laughs> script this week because otherwise I definitely would have changed my line to we're gonna shit talk about agents of shield season 5 etc. <laughs> I mean, I I had a hard time making it through these episodes at all, let alone finding something from comics that I haven't talked about yet.
1: Yes, that is very tough. As we get in, this is, uh, what, 68 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 68 times you've delved into the Marvel history to find connections into whatever it is that we're talking about. And it's getting a little thin on the ground, huh?
0: I was kicking myself that I had <laughs> talked about Graviton already, yeah. except except I was then reminded by friend of the pod, Matt Lippurata, that I did that before this aired. <laughs> so not only could I not have known, nobody could have known. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, even after watching it, I still don't know. <laughs> but I do think I've hit upon something showcased in this arc with comic book antecedents that are, you'll be shocked to hear, Absolutely bonkers.
1: <laughs> I love the bonkers stuff. That's my favorite stuff.
0: I I have it for you in droves <laughs> because we're going to talk about poor bastards bedeviled by their time displaced descendants.
1: <laughs> no way. This is a thing. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> I picked the three that I'm most interested in. But this is by no means oh an my exhaustive God. list. Wow. So, Agents is, either by accident or design, continuously stealing X-Men <laughs> shit. And I am not kidding when I tell you that. Nobody does annoying kids from the future like the X-Men.
1: Wow, okay.
0: Oh, that's not true, actually. Nakeo Takeuchi took it to a whole other level, and we are going to talk about that in a bit. But outside of that one specific example, X-Men, just kids from the future being pains in the ass <laughs> all over the place. Our first example of a time-displaced descendant is actually time-displaced twice over. Wow. Nathan Christopher Charles Summers, aka Cable, uh-huh. is the child of Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor. Uh-huh. Now, you may know Scott better as Cyclops, and you mm-hmm. may know Madeline better as the clone of Jean Grey who married Scott while Jean was dead.
1: <laughs> OK. Yeah. OK. Uh-huh.
0: So as an infant, Nathan was infected with a techno-organic virus by Apocalypse, who is definitely a guy who will fuck with your kids if he really hates you. <laughs> the technology to save cable wasn't available in the present, so with great misgivings, Scott and Madeline sent him into the future where he could be cared for. Mm-hmm eventually he returns to whatever the present means in superhero comics as cable (laughs) half man half machine and all pouches and giant guns because it was the 90s and it was fucking terrible you guys (laughs) although it would admittedly be a bit before it was fully revealed that tiny baby nathan summers sent into the future was in fact cable guy with too many guns and pouches (laughs) But he follows in his parents' footsteps by being a real tight ass, just like Scott, and by having an evil clone version of himself running around, just like his mom, who was herself an evil clone version of someone.
1: Good God. That's nuts. All right, so what do you mean by too many pouches? Like, I don't understand. Like, (laughs) lots of guns, fine. Pouches, is it like, does he wear cargo pants? Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Or like... Oh Fanny. Hello, packs? Sister.
0: Oh you, what you're doing what you're doing is jumping in the wayback machine with me and hearing <laughs> the word 90s and thinking Jenko's <laughs> No <laughs> That is not at all what I am talking about. Okay. I just didn't expect to have to to have to prove my point.
1: Oh, no, I when you say too many pouches, you got to back that up with some kind of visual aid. I mean, what is what do you mean by pouches? Are they pouches in his physical body? Is it like skin pouches that he puts his gun in or God, if I only. mean, I'm thinking cargo pants. <laughs>
0: Literally, any of those would have been better options.
1: Is it like a kangaroo pouch? No, like okay. Is he gestating? Like what kind of pouch? Okay, you know does what? I'm
0: skipping the picture. It's not important. What you need to realize. Let me. Okay, apparently, <laughs> apparently, we are going to digress about 90s comics for a moment.
1: Oh yeah, we I are. have mentioned
0: uh-huh. that the 90s were an extremely creatively bankrupt time for superhero comics. Sure. I've mm-hmm. mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. It's not a controversial statement. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some good stuff going on, because there was. Yeah. But mostly, mm-hmm. it was just shit wrapped in lenticular covers and foil-embossed covers and so many hologram covers and just covers, 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 sometimes polybag with trading uh-huh. cards. And just it's just garbage. And one of the things (laughs) that made it garbage is that Uh the emphasis shifted hard from a combination of good writing and good art to just good Mm -hmm. art. Except that when we say good art, the 90s kind of fucked our brains, man. Oh, yeah. And Cable was created by a guy named Rob Liefeld, a man famous for never learning how to draw feet. Like, he always framed the panel so you didn't ever see them from the knees down. I'm not kidding. And the guy could not fucking draw anatomy. Couldn't draw feet? No. 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 And one of the telltale signs of Rob Liefeld in specific, but a lot of art at the time, was ridiculously oversized guns. Just... Uh-huh. Like, like guns. Yeah. This is this is for the people at home, because I bet that Lonnie hasn't played Final Fantasy. But you know how Final Fantasy has no. those mm-hmm. swords? You know, the ones I'm talking about, <laughs> listener? Now turn that into a gun. Like, it's just <laughs> uh, no human could stand under the weight yeah. of this rifle. Yeah. And in addition, right. mm-hmm. because we were going for a kind of, you know, paramilitary oh god what the fuck uh it was a time it was a time and we were going for a real paramilitary look so people just got like Uh bandoliers of pouches and just pouches wrapped around their thighs like it's like a belt of pouches around their middle you know for
1: carrying all the all the ammo for their tremendous guns is that what it was for
0: Lonnie, you're already. I'm
1: just curious. No, no, about I love it.
0: I love you. You're doing so much more work right now than the artists ever did. They're just fucking pouches. They never reach why? into them
1: what do they carry though why have all these pouches if they don't carry anything uh, if i'm going to
0: be honest i feel like they were all there to carry my dashed hopes and dreams for superheroes <laughs> between 1990 and 1999 right. i mean i mean it's this
1: is clearly a point that i should not belabor but it's just it, i the all the pouches it's exactly as have ridiculous as
0: you think it is that's what i'm saying to you
1: so oh okay so the problem here is that I'm expecting it to make some yes. sort of sense, and it does not. Yes. Okay, I get it now. Like I like, get look, it now. No, I'm with you. B-bat I got it.
0: utility belt, an entire, an entire franchise of characters who part mm. of their power set is built around a belt with pouches, right? You got your Batman, <laughs> your various Robins, your Nightwings, oh. your Batgirls. All these people uh-huh. have belts with pouches on them that they reach into and get really important shit out of at narratively appropriate yeah. moments. If that ever fucking happened in one appearance of cable, I will eat an issue of X-Force. I shit you not. It's just it's
1: just pouches to have pouches. It's just pouches for pouches' sake. That's what I'm saying to you. It's a fashion statement. Okay, okay, all right. I am so sorry to everybody listening that I have taken this point so far. But that just astounds me. Like, there should be a purpose to the pouches, especially if you have all those guns. You're going to need ammo. It makes sense that it would carry the ammo, at least. I mean, if
0: that's how you want to backfill it, I think that's great. (laughs) but if you're looking for anything on the page to support that textually no it's just oh, big fuck off shoulder pads lots of fucking spikes and knives <laughs> and pouches and ridiculously huge guns and everybody had their mouths open wide all the time like even when uh-huh. they were just having a normal conversation it looked like they were screaming at one another
1: oh my I told god you, wow
0: our brains were <laughs> fucked by
1: the art <laughs> terrible. in the 90s alright 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 I am very 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 sorry for that aside go back to your notes let's finish this i don't
0: know why you're sorry everybody listening at home who knows about 90s comics is like "Yup, josh is right and everybody who doesn't know about 90s superhero comics is googling it and laughing along with you it's shameful it's shameful
1: okay Mm -hmm.
0: listen here's my last thought on 90s comics i quit Mm -hmm. superhero comics in the 90s i quit i
1: Wow! Because they were so they were bad. so fucking bad. Wow! No, I did not stay
0: gone very long because some really good shit uh-huh. happened in the early 2000s that rooked me back in. Mm-hmm. But I'm not kidding. I was like, I have got to make better life choices than this.
1: Wow! All true. They made you tap out. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow! Absolutely. Okay. And I don't want
0: to harsh <laughs> on Rob Liefeld, although he is a man who deserves to be harshed on for many, many things. <sighs> some of them this week, honestly. Uh-huh. Um because it wasn't just him like Jim Lee notorious yeah. for this shit here's the the worst part is Jim Lee hasn't fucking learned a thing like he's still <laughs> overdrawing superhero costumes right now it's bad oh my <laughs> But I digress. Uh, Annoying children Mm -hmm. from the future. Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. So
0: the X-Men in general and the Summers in specific aren't great at letting a good thing go, which means (laughs) Scott and Jean Uh have another child from a dead end timeline.
1: But this is real Jean, not evil Madeline Jean. This is not
0: cloned Jean. This is real Jean.
1: Actual Jean. Okay. I'm just trying to keep it straight. All right. Or possibly the Phoenix Force's Jean.
0: I'm going to have to get back to you. (laughs) Some real, real possibilities when it comes to Jean Grey, man. Real, Lots Uh of options. Okay. At any rate, Rachel Summers is from Mm -hmm. the Days of Future Past universe. Now, you might be a little familiar Mm -hmm. with this. It was turned into a a version of the comic book story. It was turned into a movie. Mm X-Men Days of Future Past. You,
1: yes, I remember that. You remember that, that it existed.
0: Title. You didn't watch it. Okay. I remember that it exists. Okay.
1: I think I think I did see it, but I don't remember anything about it. But I feel like I That's saw it. That's
0: probably the best way to handle <laughs> more of the X-Men movies than I'd like to admit. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the basic premise of that is that there's an assassination of a prominent anti-mutant senator that leads to a mm-hmm. dystopian future where most of your favorite superheroes are dead as leather. and the And okay, all the great. mutants are in mm-hmm. concentration camps because... It's a dystopian future. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's a dystopian yeah, future. Right? Yes. It's, very, it's
0: like that. Yeah. And uh-huh. Rachel had been, with drugs and hypnotherapy, turned into a hound or a mutant mm-hmm. used by the government to hunt down other mutants. Ooh. She rebelled against her programming and helped Kate Pride mm-hmm. astrally project her consciousness into the past to warn the X-Men mm-hmm. about the turning point in history that was the assassination yeah. of Senator Kelly. OK, so it's uh-huh. Rachel's power that sends Kate's mind back to Kitty's body so that she could mm-hmm. go. Hey, you guys, we got to get to Washington, <laughs> D.C. right now and save the uh-huh. fucking future. But this is not her story and it is not yeah. that story. This is about Rachel. And eventually, Rachel also wound up in the present thanks to the Phoenix Force ripping her from her own time and depositing her into the laps of the X-Men. Except mm-hmm. this was more than time travel, because she quickly discovered that her mother, Jean Grey, was dead at the Mm -hmm. time, and her father, Scott Summers, was married to another woman, Madeline Pryor, clone of Jean Grey.
1: Right, right. And little Nathan
0: was on the way, and this kind of fucked Rachel up, because she was supposed to be the firstborn Summers child to Scott and Jean, and now here she is in this weird alternate timeline, apparently. Right. right. Yeah. Mm Yeah. I, I mean, you can imagine that would mess her up pretty good. And oh, sure. it messed Rachel up pretty good because honestly, her most defining character traits for a very long time were A, being freaked out by the fact that she literally shouldn't exist, and B, being kind of a big bitch about it to her parents, even though there's literally nothing they could have done about it.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: And now we come to my favorite. Yes. And by favorite, the, I mean the one that I really don't like. But it's like, lo- oh. you love to hate her. You know what I mean? Okay. All right.
1: okay. So mm-hmm. let's leave
0: behind Westchester County. That's where the X-Mansion mm-hmm. is. It's in Westchester County. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let us leave behind Westchester County and move instead to the land of the rising sun for the by God crown uh-huh. jewel of time displaced brats. <laughs> I can speak of none other than Usagi Tsukino, the second. Uh-huh. Because you see uh-huh. Usagi the 1st is actually the soldier of love and justice Sailor Moon.
1: Aha. Uh-huh.
0: Or at least she is in the present okay also this is a point like everybody and I guess this includes Lonnie although I really want to hear her oh, respond yeah. to this I am about to spoil <laughs> the shit out of some Sailor Moon stuff so if that's a problem for you jump ahead like jump oh, ahead. go
1: right ahead you know I don't mind spoilers yeah so in the
0: present Usagi is Sailor Moon but in the future she mm-hmm. is Neo Queen Serenity the ruler of the earth from her seat of power in Crystal Tokyo she and uh-huh. King Endymion who is like the immortal husband mm-hmm. that was her Yes. Boyfriend back in the in mm-hmm. back in the present. Time travels, very yeah. complicated to talk about. So she and King mm-hmm. Endymion have a daughter also named Usagi, although everyone calls uh-huh. her small lady to differentiate for her from her mother. Okay. Except in the past, where they call her Chibi Usa, which just means uh-huh. little Usagi. <laughs> but I say that because of course you knew she went back in time. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> So when Crystal Tokyo comes under attack and the Neo Queen falls into a coma, Chibiusa travels to the present, the present of like 1993, Yeah, you know, comics, everybody, that's when it was coming out. (laughs) Anyway, she she travels to the present to try and help her mother in the future. She's initially Mm -hmm. very confused by her surroundings to the point of pulling a gun on teenage Usagi, her mom, when Usagi tries Mm -hmm. to come between Chibiusa and the crush that she has already and quite suddenly developed on the man who will one day be her father in the future.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) Calm down right now. That complex shit isn't even the weirdest (laughs) thing about her at all. (laughs) I think that the weirdest thing about her is that she's a lot older than she looks. And what I mean by that Mm -hmm. is she appears and sounds like she's five. But thanks to everyone Mm -hmm. in Neo-Crystal Tokyo being functionally immortal, the vagaries of time travel, and some pretty crippling psychological issues, she's actually 900 years (laughs) old.
1: You know, okay. (laughs) And if anyone is at
0: home right now thinking of Claudia from Uh Interview with a Vampire, just remember 900 years old.
1: (laughs) Chibiusa (laughs) says, hold my
0: future beer, Claudia. You got nothing. Now chibi Yusa eventually comes into her own power and she transforms into Sailor Chibi-Moon to do battle alongside the other sailor soldiers. But, you know, not before she switches sides, is infused with dark power, and finally ages into a supervillain of epic proportions called Dark Lady.
1: Okay.
0: God, I love Sailor Moon. It's the fucking best, you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have never watched any Sailor Moon. Clearly, I'm going to have to. I
0: really could not recommend the manga more. And I recommend uh-huh. both of the animes with different caveats. So, you know, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. All so right.
0: So I feel like I should wrap this up with an observation that being a parent is mm-hmm. a really hard job. Like, we're, this is two yes. parents right here talking,
1: yeah. Uh-huh. and being a yeah. parent is a mm-hmm. hard
0: job. And the only thing that could make it any more difficult is having your descendants show up from the future with nothing to show for it but bad <laughs> plot complications and a lousy personality. And yes, I am talking about Cable, Rachel, and Chibiusa, but I also am talking about somebody on this goddamn show.
1: well i guess that is our segue into talking about this final arc from season five the last half of season five now here's the thing um season five the first half when i watched it i was like okay and then (laughs) when we watched it again just now i liked it better than i did like the first time you know so i liked it better last time when I watched all of season five, the second half, I hated it. And when I say hated it, I mean as much as I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all the way through, I have hated the the back half of season five. So going into it, my expectations were really super low.
0: Um, Another word for that is correct.
1: Right. I like it better than I did on the original run through. There's still some stuff that I super, super freaking hate. But before we get into all of the hate, I would like to just, as a general, go over this. Okay, the second half, I'm not even gonna ask you what you think because you texted me the whole way through it and I know you fucking hated it.
0: Yeah, I didn't like it very mm-hmm. much. I actually tweeted yeah. that I thought it was a bullet fired through time to wound me personally. <laughs> and I stand by that observation.
1: Okay. All right. So I am going to try to represent those of us who don't hate it quite as much as you do. I There are things in this that I... Super, super hate. I am definitely, (laughs) definitely confused by the whole fucking thing. Um, But okay, so let's start with that, Um, because I've watched this now twice and you've watched it once. And yet I am going to come to you and ask you to explain (laughs) shit to me.
0: Sure, I'll do my best.
1: Because maybe you saw something I didn't see. Maybe you picked up on something. Maybe your extensive knowledge of comics and comic books makes some of these things tropes that you can draw okay the face you're making says I no. mean
0: I think I followed the plot such as it was I just ah. I really think in this case your problems are not time travel problems they're shitty writing problems that's what I think
1: okay all right, well, but let me... Please, okay. yes,
0: elucidate your issues and let's let's nail it down.
1: All right, so this whole thing, right, this whole argument that we're making, and again, like, you know, sci-fi, when it's at its best, is asking a philosophical question, it is putting to the test. You know, it, sci-fi almost is like a, a fictional thought experiment. Like, what if this were to happen? How would that play out, right? So that's when sci-fi is really at its best. And Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think, is moving. It's always been sci-fi ish, although more spy-fi than mm-hmm, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting into this, like, very sci-fi space with season five. We're going through time travel. We're in outer space. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So um, I've seen this season twice now, and I still don't understand. Okay, they were caught in a time loop, right? I get that. You can't change the past or the future according to fits. What happened happened. Time is fixed. You know, fine. But the thing is that, like, this time... They did something differently that broke the time loop. And I still don't know exactly what that moment was. What is the moment where it turned and we broke the time loop and everything was going to be okay? I feel like there's a whole bunch of things that happened (laughs) that broke the time loop. But if it's supposed to be like one particular choice that is made that changes the time loop, like I missed it completely. I also missed what the point of that is. Like here we have this time loop situation where they're looping in and out, right? They've completed this, this whole loop through. Um, And now they're back Going through it like at least the second time, if not the eight hundred thousandth time, we have no idea how many times they've gone through this time loop. What makes this time special? Why did everything change this time? I I've missed it. If I've if I if it's there and I missed it, I've already missed it twice. Oh, that's
0: interesting. Okay, I think that perhaps you are taking. Now that you say this, this makes some sense, especially from our last conversation. Okay. So I think that you're hearing time loop. And what you're Mm -hmm. thinking of is like a very Doctor Who or Star Trek The Next Generation approach where they are caught in literally the same set of circumstances over and over and we're watching that, right?
1: That's a loop, Yes, it is,
0: but the difference here is that we're not experiencing that alongside our main characters. The loop that they're talking about here is that no matter what they do, it's still going to end the same way. So it's, Mm -hmm. I think, maybe more like circuit might have been more useful because they're closing the circuit every time, whether they want to or not. And this... Right they desperately do not want to close the circuit.
1: But I mean that's the premise though. Like this is the thing that Fitz said. This is when, you know, when we had the guy, you know, back in season four, season three, I don't know what the hell season <laughs> it was. Uh where you could see the future. I think it was season three. Um you could see the future, you could see how people were gonna die. Um, and then and then he, you know, showed Daisy how he was gonna die, all this kind of stuff. And then like Fitz had this whole thing time is fixed it is just what happened happened and that's it so like the premise here i don't understand what the premise is like what is it that they're trying to say are they trying to say something or are they just like here our miracle protagonist with protagonist powers are suddenly outside of this impossible to break time loop like um oh god the way you just put your hand to your forehead
0: yeah
1: (laughs) am i missing it i mean did i just miss it
0: i'm sorry i should make it clear for everyone's benefit the face that lonnie just saw me make was for the show (laughs) i feel like your confusion is entirely justified i think okay Okay. this is my theory okay Uh uh-huh well okay wait i'm going to start with one fact Which is fascinating to me because it's a fact that I stated like way back in that episode where Fitz was walking around going, time is fixed, you fucks. You don't know how any of this works. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I said, that's bullshit. So that's the fact. Like, Uh that's the fact. It's not that way at all because that would be narratively boring and dumb. Er, well, dumber than right. the thing that we actually got. But
1: that's what we've set forth is that. Well, that's what Fitz sets right? forth. But
0: everybody else is not convinced, no, including uh, Simmons. Yo-Yo
1: and, Yo-Yo and Simmons are totally into it. They believe they're invincible because they know that they survive into the they future. They believe
0: that they are invincible and therefore they can do whatever they want to try and break the circuit. Uh-huh. Once the circuit breaks, invincibility mode is off.
1: Well, clearly, as Fitz dies at the end of this season... Does he?
0: I mean, yes, but not really, and that's a whole... But yeah,
1: no, yes, he does. We're going to have that oh conversation, too, because, oh, my God. All right, anyway, we're going to get there. But, so Fitz dies, Daisy manages to take the super serum and shoot Grava Talbot into the sky, <laughs> into space, I like right? I like Grava Talbot. Um, Gravitel it. Yeah. So, um, so they're clearly able to do it. And there was this moment where it was like the music swells, everything happens. I guess we're not saving Colson or we're not trying to I save Colson. And so I think
0: Colson faking them out. I think, mm-hmm. in the or, uh, again, it's not clear. I'm backfilling this yeah. and it's shameful that this is not clear. Right. Like, there's a okay. whole bunch of stuff in here that I can, well, not forgive but I can (laughs) understand based on how TV works, right? With production schedule. Uh We'll talk about all of that, but it's, you know, too many antagonists and none of them any good is an example, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But it is shameful and unforgivable that it is not abundantly clear what the turning point is. The fact that you have to ask this question and that I can answer it, but with a hundred pounds of backfill that I bring (laughs) is not good. All
1: right. See, I thought it was just that I missed it, that I just didn't see it. And then when I was watching this time, I mean, I was watching it and being like, okay, so where is that turning point? When does that happen? How do we know why this is different or how this is different or what? All I know is that at a certain point, we're, we have the swelling music and we're like, okay, now everything's different. And I'm like, well, that's great. But first of all, I don't know what happened in this timeline the first time. So I don't know the, the point of, of inflection there. Yeah. So. I, I honestly like I have I have no idea. Without going through a complete loop <laughs> once to see what all right. the parts are, I don't know. Like I don't know where this turns or what it is. And also it's it's pivotally important that if there is a moment, if there is a choice, like in fiction, the most important thing is choice. Yeah. The choices that our characters make is super important. It tells us who they are. So here we have a moment of choice that changed the world, that saved the world. And I don't know which choice it was, whose choice it was, where was the choice when did the choice happen how was it different from the choices they made the first time what the fuck just happened i have no idea i think
0: and i'm just doing my best but i think Mm -hmm. that colson doing sleight of hand on the centipede serum was the thing that broke the loop i have evidence as to why but i'm still doing most Uh of the work like i'm just letting you know
1: Right. I mean, I think that was the moment, but I didn't feel like we had any clarity. There's not
0: there. enough clarity. Like there, there yeah. is mm-hmm. Yo-Yo going on and on about how, well, I shouldn't say on and on. Once she starts going on, she keeps going on. Mm-hmm. But boy, does that seem like information that should have been shared yeah. literally any time earlier. But regardless, <laughs> yeah. she goes on. We have to let Colson die. We have to let Colson die. We have to stop trying to save Colson. They do it anyway. Yeah. And yes. Colson says to her... I would have agreed with you. I would have
1: sided with you, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And then next, he's collapsing. You know, it was a sleight of hand, blah, Mm blah, blah. And then Daisy shoots Graviton into space. Yeah. Fuck.
1: But. (laughs) We'll get there in a second, yeah.
0: It's sort of like. Those signposts that's like up in the camp Uh on MASH where they're all pointing different directions, right? Yeah. I feel like it's those, but they've all kind of been knocked to mostly point at Coulson's sleight of hand. Like it's not clear enough.
1: I guess. It's not clear enough,
0: but I think that's what it was. I can't imagine what else it is.
1: Philip J. Colson is the one who puts all the pieces together. Like, that's the thing that we get from Robin, you know, uh, what pieces, what did, I mean, I don't see any pieces. The only person that put pieces together was Flint. So like, I don't. I guess
0: those were metaphorical pieces, like putting the pieces together of how to save everything. Putting the pieces
1: together and figuring it out. But yeah. So like, I don't like. None of it was clear to me. I was thrown off by the whole thing and I didn't get it. Um, so as long as it's, you know, like it's no big failing in my ability yeah, no. to intellectually process this la- back half of the season, then that's OK. I mean, I, I don't um, want to say this
0: just to blow sunshine up your skirt, but I actually think <laughs> that your intellectual approach to how to tell stories is the thing that's getting in between you understanding this. Because you're like, I know how stories work, and it's not like this pile.
1: (laughs) That may be it. That may be it. Speaking of how stories work, oh my God, with the three-card Monty antagonists we've got here. Um, all right. So here's here is the big problem. First half of the season, great fucking antagonist. We yeah. have an antagonist who is, Cassius, who is Cassius, who is Cassius, who is this guy, who is Cree, and has lived through this whole experience. So we know that he was there in the beginning when all of this happened, when the earth blew up, when his father came to attack, all of that kind of stuff. Why the bloody fuck is Cassius the best antagonist? antagonist that we've had in a long time why is he not the antagonist for the back end as well i don't understand that we have this whole thing where like these you know daisy blows up the earth she is the destroyer of worlds da, 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 da. oh no it was a light from the sky and it's aliens oh no wait it's a confederacy of aliens and jesus they're boring as hell and we don't care and we swat them away like so many flies and it is no big deal um we have hail as hydra and hail hydra
0: yeah it's adorable uh, as fuck, isn't it? No.
1: Uh, Anyway, so we have her as a secondary. She's not terrible as a secondary to Casias. If she was the one who brought Casias in or was connected with Casayas and was double crossing everybody. Uh, well, no, the dad, Cassius, right. who is nowhere near as interesting an antagonist as the son, Cassius, who we just saw die, but we saw him die 74 years in the future. So that's OK. He could have been here now to stir the shit up, and he should have been it should have been him and his dad in this battle that we wanted to see that we just got the the ending of you know in that part of the story we could have had we could have seen some of that up front sonara sonara could have been here why in the world would you build casias and sonara and not bring them into the second half of this Why? And then we've got this three-card Monty game of stupid-ass antagonists. We've got Hale. uh, We've got Ruby, who seemed like she was almost headed somewhere, but I guess not. Um, Not to mention the fact that Yo-Yo slicing the throat of a teenage girl is dark. I mean...
0: I... Man. (laughs) I have so many... I have so many feelings. So many feelings. I... Yeah. I don't... No, I don't even know where to start. Like, it's a plate of spaghetti, but it's all bad. It's like, it's like, there's a lot to unpack here, but let's just throw the suitcase away instead. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. Okay. Okay. I don't know why the aliens are here at all, to be honest. No. Because they don't do anything with the Cassius family connection. If we're connection. not
1: bringing in Cassius, our Cassius, who kicked ass as an antagonist in the first yeah. half of the season. If we're not bringing him back, why do we... We don't bother. We're, we've got these aliens and we're like, oh no, the Remora, they're going to kill... Oh, they're all dead. Okay, so fine. Because we have but which is... <laughs> Okay. Also
0: okay. the worst. Here's the thing.
1: Yeah. Like, where do you start unraveling this plate of just shitty okay, spaghetti? Okay, let's
0: work backwards, Um, I okay. guess, because I feel like Gravitalbit is the worst possible antagonist for this pod of episodes. Yeah. Oh, except, absolutely. Except he could have been amazing. And here's why I say that, because they are bringing shit back from the first season, like
1: you uh-huh. know, right? The, the Gravitonium. Gravitonium, Ian Quinn, In fact, a whole bunch Professor of Professor Hall, but right. this is yeah. I mean, uh, Creel, yeah. the voices. Yeah. yeah, It's
0: like old home mm-hmm. week. And, and, and right. if they, and I'm led to believe now, I find this significantly more damning than helpful, but I'm led to believe that mm-hmm. the people working on the show thought that this was their last season. And so I yeah. see two things really standing out from that. And one is a lot of loose ends. That that mm-hmm. even some loose ends nobody gave a shit about, but by God, let's have them right. back. You know,
1: let's go ahead and pull those in. We're yeah. tied mm-hmm. up,
0: right? So they had that going. Right. The other one that makes me think that that's a real theory. That, that I mean, I, I actually I yeah. think that this is very easily proven. I just didn't bother. But when that was suggested right. to me, I was like, oh, I see that because look, all these loose ends are being mm-hmm. tied up. Also, they clearly right. didn't give a fuck.
1: Right. I mean, yes. This season mm-hmm.
0: is like. The last day of school before summer break of seasons. Like, we all have to show up. Oh, my God. We all have to clean the gum off the desks, but nobody's actually here to do anything. Like, it's, man. Yeah.
1: So, so that said. No, it's crazy. How is Gravitalbot going to be good, though?
0: So, in theory, I mean, this takes a massive rewrite. I'm just pulling out the best parts of Talbot as Graviton. First of all, we bring Mm -hmm. Gravitonium back, which, I mean... Was that legitimately the cool. first episode? Like, I think that Gravitonium was the first or second episode.
1: Was it the first? Yeah, it was it early. Real early. It was definitely very early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. so that's
0: I kind of like that. Like, again, we're talking right. about closing mm-hmm. loops and closing circuits. And if I thought for and a second. And we get to
1: see Raina use the Gravitonium to eat Ian Quinn. And it's always great, always to, see great to see Raina again. And yeah. so if I mm-hmm. believe
0: they were doing any of that, like, closing loops on purpose, I would be very impressed. Right. The other thing is. The yes. other thing is. And this mm-hmm. is very mixed messages even within this show. But I think that we Mm -hmm. can all agree Talbot is fucking terrible. Like, I mean, even when he's on their side, he's still pretty fucking terrible. Um, right uh, i I feel very uncomfortable honestly with him being a right wing nut job who is racist and has definitely done some fucking war crimes like has definitely done mm-hmm. that and that at one point Daisy's like, but he signed up and fought for his country calm the fuck down <laughs> That on its own yeah. merits is not enough. We need to talk about what serving your country looked like. What did you do mm-hmm. on a daily basis? I mean,
1: yeah. take mm-hmm. a step
0: back. But regardless, he's he's kind of terrible, right, as a human being. Yeah. But he is definitely a kind of terrible human being who drinks his own bathwater with just joy and joie de vivre. So if... He is In a brandy yeah. snifter, he drinks oh, yeah. his own bathwater. Yeah. <laughs> like climbs out of the bathtub, puts on his silk smoking jacket, ties it up, takes a sniffer out of the tub to sit next to the fire and sip his own bathwater. He's that
1: guy. He is absolutely that he is guy. that guy.
0: And so the idea that he would be that yeah. guy and have mm-hmm. a traumatic brain injury that rattles him. Yeah. And then be tortured mm-hmm. and broken by Hydra. Yes. So I like that lead up and then him like, I can fix this. Like, like if they had started yeah. doing that earlier, that I can fix this, but he's clearly not together. Yeah. And even if he were mm-hmm. together, he would be the wrong choice. Right? And, right. Th- and mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, of course, that's the motherfucker that broke Earth. Because that's a motherfucker mm-hmm. who would break right. Earth.
1: Who would break Earth, and yes. And think mm-hmm. he still won.
0: Because yes. these Confederacy mm-hmm. assholes don't have it. So from that perspective... <sighs> right. I love Graviton. Mm-hmm. I like Talbot being fully and mm-hmm. perfectly named as villainous because he's yes. been low-key that way the whole time. Because he's
1: been that way, yeah. So mm-hmm, that mm-hmm.
0: part, like all of that, I feel like could have been something, but they get...
1: Had it been in a different season <laughs> when they were doing a different thing.
0: Or well, when they were doing this one and we had ignored Ruby and uh-huh. focused on Hale. And started with, with Talbot the And what the she beginning. does to Talbot.
1: Yeah, I don't see. Uh, And the thing is, here's why. Cassius has to come back because he's part of the loop. We're Uh, defeating the loop. Cassius was central to the back end of that loop. He should be central to the beginning of that loop. And it should be something that they are able to do that defeats him that makes that happen. That is just for me, like that is a narrative. This is... Narratively indefensible. uh, Three or four human antagonists (laughs) when we've set up an alien situation here. Like, that's what this season is about. So, the idea that we're going to tell the back half of this story with Cassius without Cassius, without our Cassius, without seeing how that started and shutting that shit down now in the now before it can get to where it's 74 years from now in the lighthouse. Like, all of that stuff I I just and when you have an antagonist as good as Cassius, even if it wasn't narratively necessary which by the way it fucking is (laughs) um, even if it wasn't like I would say bring him back because he's just that good now Gravitalbit I have to say like there are things about that whole thing that I actually do enjoy as a concept there's some stuff about Gravitalbit but but Gravitalbit being shoved in to this season where he does not belong while we are just letting Cassius be not present in a story that is about aliens <laughs> blowing up the earth.
0: Right? Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, I'm going to push back just a little, but only yeah. only the tiniest amount. Okay. Because I agree with you, Cassius mm-hmm. is just a spectacular antagonist. Yeah. And yeah. it does feel like we should see him again because he's great. Um, yeah. However... Since agents shifted to these pods, I think mm-hmm. that it's really very fair to treat them as discrete units of story. But
1: the second half, they're closing the loop that they started in the first half. The second half is already but tied into the first half. it's not about
0: aliens, really, which is actually why I'm mad the Confederacy showed back up, because what the fuck? It's not...
1: It's supposed to be about aliens. Aliens came, oh. a light came out of the sky, blew up the earth. We're doing all it, of that. Okay,
0: I, but that is a blind. That is a trick. No, no, no. This is, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I only, man, it is a very specific set of influences that I bring to this that I feel <laughs> put me in a position where I could kind of make it make sense. Okay. So if we treat uh, the pods uh-huh. as discrete story pieces, yes. right? So we had a beginning mm-hmm. middle, and end with Cassius. He's no longer <laughs> right. our antagonist. Mm-hmm. Should he have been because the rest of them are garbage? Debatable, but I lean towards yes, just because the rest of them were garbage.
1: And also because this second half is setting up the first part of that time loop. Well, kind of. He should have been there for that. I think
0: that they wanted to do kind of a Twilight Zone, we're the actual monsters thing. Because remember, Mm -hmm. it's not really the aliens that do it. It's never the aliens that do it. It's Daisy that does Mm -hmm. it in response to an alien invasion. So the real problem is Daisy.
1: Except it's not. It was Gravitalbit, bit.
0: Right. Which nobody else knew, even though up. he was wandering around in full view of a great even many cameras. Even though he cameras. was wandering
1: around like that. But because Daisy stepped out of the Zephyr and flipped off Coulson <laughs> while she was leaving, they were like, we have video of this. Clearly it was Quake who quaked the Earth open all of it. like It's not good. There's so much of it. No, it's not. It's not good. And I get what you're saying about distinct narratives, but I don't understand this. Like there's, you have it there on a platter and I know maybe it was their final, they thought it was their final season and they wanted, but that's why shoving Gravitale, but in there bringing back professor hall, the gravitonium, Ian Quinn, uh, even Raina. I love seeing Raina. But first of all, if we only see Raina for two seconds, fuck you. You've got Ruth <laughs> Use her. I don't care if it's her. all like you know how much her. you know how much I hate flashbacks. No, they should have never never killed her. Um, but uh, but when you have her on the payroll, you use her. I don't care. I hate flashbacks. I would have been like, Yes, show me all the flashbacks if they've got Reina. <laughs> if they've got Reina being part of this app fucking lootly, show me those flashbacks. Um, but anyway, bottom line is it's a hot yeah. mess. They could have tied it up nicely, they could have kept an antagonist who was fabulous, they could have. Aligned these two stories with a common thread between them because it is the beginning of the loop and the end of the loop. And so, when they're able to, if they were able to do that, that would have just made so much more sense. It would have been so much better. But instead, we've got Hale, who we don't care about. We've got Ruby, who is just a mess. We've got Gravitalbit, which is whatever. And then this Confederacy of Aliens, who end up being just weak sauce.
0: Yeah. The only what is the the only nice thing I can say about this is that the casting on Ruby is fantastic.
1: No, I do like Dove Cameron. I do like her as Ruby. She was good.
0: The reason I say that is literally the first moment she shows up on screen and we don't know anything except for this is her face. I was like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's an extremely conventionally attractive blonde who somehow also manages to have a face I want to punch repeatedly. <laughs> this is the perfect villain. She's perfect. Oh, my right? God. I mean, tell me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that just looking at her, you weren't just like. You know, I don't know what you're going to do, but in a minute you're going to do something and I'm going to want to punch you in the face. Like
1: (laughs) she has. Yeah. I mean, she has an air about her. I haven't seen her in anything else. I think I haven't seen her in anything else either, but I do like her. Like she, she absolutely inspires in me. I think the responses that you're supposed (laughs) to have to Ruby. Um, But all of that. Set aside. I think the, the <laughs> biggest thing with Ruby, like, the biggest thing with Ruby. I like
0: that you're like, set all of that aside, which has up until now been how none of this actually works. So set aside that. It's just works. funny. I'm going to keep returning to being amused by the fact it's that okay. we're going to have to set aside so much nonsense in order to just try and have a conversation about this thing.
1: Try and talk about any of it. Okay. But let's talk a little bit about Ruby, right? Okay. So here we have, she slices off Yo-Yo's arms. Right. Very
0: abrupt. Um, very. I mean, I didn't realize this was the last season, or that they thought it was. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was legitimately shocking to me because I kind of expected that to hang yeah. in the future as a, you
1: right. know, a danger to come. As a thing. So I was like, right. oh, my mm-hmm.
0: pearls. Like when that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. But slices off arms. Okay. Which, by the way, super fucking dark. Like, hello, darkness, my <laughs> old friend. Season five, of Agents of Shield. Holy shit Like there's a lot of stuff Happening this season That is going dark And you know what I'm okay Like there's some darkness And like I'm okay Bring on the darkness But man They went into the dark Like mad This whole thing Not only that You know We get her slicing off Yo-Yo's arms Which is hugely traumatic Yo-Yo's going through This whole thing She feels like she's alone She's trying to explain To everybody what's going on Nobody's listening to her Like I get all of that I think that that's great um, So So Then We have Yo-Yo slicing Ruby's throat and like on the one hand I get it she's trying to break the loop Ruby cut off her arms like I get it. Also she's
0: a nut bar Hydra agent so
1: well yeah I mean there's a lot of things but she's also a kid like, she's a kid.
0: You know, I'm legitimately confused. I'm, I'm being serious right now. Clearly, she is supposed to read young.
1: Is this she's 17? But
0: we had a flashback to her graduation ceremony. And I'm not 100% clear on how old they are when they're graduating. So let's assume that it's, uh, well, wait a minute. No, wait. Hang on. She has to be a little older than that. Okay. This is me just trying to do context clues. Okay. Sit well and hail. Leave Hydra Academy. Yeah. For shield and... The Air Force. So they could not just be Mm -hmm. 19 year olds like they can't be. They've got to at least be
1: no college
0: graduate age at that point. Right. So if we assume that Ruby was running yeah. through basically the same program, you know, but updated for 20 years of learning how to mm-hmm. better indoctrinate Nazi youth.
1: Then when they ask her to kill her dog, she would be 21, 22 or mid mid 20s at the latest. I would say I thought she was 17. My understanding was that she was 17.
0: I'm saying. I feel like the way they code her as far as age goes is malleable. And so much like everything else in this season, I'm forced to go to these wider context clues. Because I do think it would be super dark if Yo-Yo cut the throat of a 15-year-old Nazi youth, even if she's a Nazi youth, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Let's linger on that and talk about how that's kind of fucked up, even if it turns out to be the thing that saves the world. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know what kind of person it makes me that it's less shocking if she's 25. If she's
1: 20, well, no, if she's 25, I think it is because she's an adult. Like there's something about it being a kid and being an adult. My read on on Ruby is that she's 17 in this and I may be wrong, um, but my read on her is that she's 17. Well, and you look at
0: the room and all that you stuff. look at the, the room. Post- all
1: this stuff it feels it feels like 17 to me she feels really really young to me um but yo-yo slicing her throat um You know, even though Ruby has sliced off Yo-Yo's arms, even though Ruby would kill anybody in a heartbeat, it still feels really super dark to me. And, like, I'm okay with a dark turn. I love a dark turn. Like, let's have at it. But when you have a dark turn, I think we need to acknowledge exactly how dark it is. And we have a moment, you know, where Daisy's like, hey, did you have to kill her? And Yo-Yo's like, yeah, did. Fuck off. And everybody's like, okay, fair enough. Right.
0: It's and, good. It's good. I liked that scene. I'm like, I really okay, did. Okay,
1: fair enough. No, you have the conversation when you slice the throat of a young girl. You have a conversation about it. Well, you know, I mean, let's talk
0: more later mm-hmm. about what kind of ethical and moral conversations we need to have about Shield.
1: Oh my God, no, so many.
0: Because from a certain perspective, I'm like, oh, slitting throats seems. Uh, you know,
1: seems on Tuesday, brand. Right? Right. right. Well, no, I mean, yes, we've had this conversation before. Like we've had this oh, conversation it's big right now, too. But, though. I mean, but this is the other thing too, is that like I was talking about before the value, one of the great values of sci-fi is, is asking these questions, setting up these situations as thought experiments. Like when is it okay? If you are saving the world, mm-hmm. do you slice the throat of a 17 year old girl? Like, uh, that's a question to be asked. We get into utilitarian, you know, perspectives yeah. of the greatest good when you're talking about 7 billion people versus one kid. Um, asking that question, I think is an interesting question asked, but they don't seem to ask it or discuss it. They're just like, well, this should happen next time on agents of shield. <laughs> and then we just move forward into this whole thing. Right. And I'm like, well, that, I, I don't mind these things happening, but I want the conversation to happen. And I think. Feel like they touch on the conversation. Like they have, they have. You know, Mac has got this whole thing this whole time. Like this entire season is nothing but Mac going, "Well, we don't kill people," and I'm like, "No, you kill people all the time. You work for Nick Fury." You like you kill people all the, time all the time because you're part of an ages of shit like you have a shotgun axe that is not made for gardening Mac like
0: <laughs> you're a spy do you like, know what yes. they give a spy it's literally called a license to kill for a fuck's license
1: sake to kill. And it's I mean, not a license to ask nicely you I start under- with that <laughs> I understand like I I like that Mac has this moral center about about what we will and will not do.
0: I actually think it makes him a giant hypocrite, but we can talk about that in a minute. I
1: understand why you think it may. I think that there's a space for somebody asking the moral questions, even within this this thing.
0: (laughs) Somebody in this cast ought to, because God knows it's not Coulson. Somebody it's not Daisy. needs to.
1: Somebody needs to. And yeah, so like I don't mind the fact that Mac is asking these questions. I think that I think maybe what it is that bothers you is that he's asking these questions without a, an inward look at what have I been a part of. And now that I'm director of SHIELD, how is this going to be different? Oh, like, I
0: super do not appreciate that development either, but that's a different Okay. Well, yeah. I, I no, but for my reasons, for my <laughs> right. for my issues with Mac. Here. I'm like, yeah. he is literally the wrong person to be in charge because he's not prepared to do the hard thing that spy agencies have to do. Right. And if you do it when he's not looking, he's going to be real mad about it. Yeah. Like he wasn't working for an organization that Nick Fury ran. <laughs> Nick Fury did 7,000 unethical and amoral things before he had his eggs in the morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah there's i mean and the thing is like from the beginning with agents of shield we have been asking these questions like you know and and it's getting gradually it started with hey do you, do you keep a list in a registry do we do we want to register people is that a thing that we do yeah, as historically the historically not like, great that's the question that we're asking in season one and in season five we're like so slit the throat of a 17 year old girl (laughs) like is this a thing that we do Um, I mean there are so many and the, the moral digression of of the agents and and what is textually within the story acknowledged as being not okay and what is textually within the story completely rubber stamped I think are are things that are not that different not a million miles away from each other there's just a lot of moral questions that they're not asking and that to me you know feels horribly inconsistent like I don't mind these things happening I want us to be asking these questions and I think that we need to be asking these questions so that's my other issue now getting into like the little things um
0: Okay, I didn't plan this out, but when we run through this, what you're going to hear are the discarded four-color
1: facts.
0: (laughs) And the reason that I discarded them is because I kept thinking, oh, this is the thing this season is about. Oh, nope, that's over in two episodes. Oh, this will be the thing. Nope. So... You may get a little, just look behind the curtain.
1: <laughs> I love it. I, I love won't it. tell
0: you how many times, fuck, that's not it, was typed in all caps <laughs> in my notes app.
1: <laughs> was the fear dimension
0: one of those? It was actually. So I thought for just a minute that I was yeah. like, oh, shit, they are doing nightmare. And uh-huh. nightmare is an extra dimensional entity who comes from a literal nightmare dimension. Uh-huh. And he feeds upon Fear from sleeping people like, he's Uh you know, the kind of evil Sandman or like the Sandman from the real Ghostbusters cartoon or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like he is real like like Cenobite outfit, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, pale pasty, like super goth, super goth. And just, you know, cackles around like, yes, I'm going to put the whole world to sleep so that they'll have nightmares and I will be the most powerful being. And and I was like, oh, Uh
1: shit. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing nightmare. No, Mm no. No, No, we just have this weird ass fear dimension. Now, here's the thing. The mixing of sci-fi and fantasy can be done and it can be done. It can be done. All right. That's fine. Um, They are a little bit. There's a challenge in blending them together, but it can be done and that's all right. The idea (laughs) of a dimension that can read fear and Uh make it manifest is one thing, but that fits, fits a scientist. Does not struggle with this interpretation at all. Instantly knows what it is and what's happening. Um, that feels like a bit much. Fitz would be the one who would be like, this is not science. And Gemma would be like, well, it seems like it's reading our fears and making them manifest. And he would be like, but that's there's no scientific basis for that. Because there's a fucking scientific basis for that. So, like, we have this weird rift, this dimension in which we are have these things that will kill you. But then if you shoot them with a gun, they'll just disappear into nothing. Like,
0: yep. yeah. Seems what right.
1: What the... What the... F- fuck they might as well put like the ruby slippers in here and the scarecrow and the cowardly lion and all of it because none of it makes any more sense in the Wizard of Oz as far as like a sci-fi type of question Um, he also knows how to dismantle it as though this is something that's science-y as though there is historical um, you know precedent for a goddamn fear dimension that reads your soul and makes it manifest like that that is not a sciencey piece of thing. I can see somebody, I can see that, but Fitz is the one who would argue that this is not real. Fitz, the one who refuses to believe that time, you know, isn't malleable. That time, he's like, time is time. Time's, the, there's science for this. But now here's a fear dimension. Let me just act like that's a sciency thing.
0: I'm going to quote. Yes. Fits a few times. Okay. Uh, There are definitely no such things as ghosts. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
0: There are definitely no such thing as psychic powers. Uh Uh-huh. All right. You cannot change time. Yes. You have no free will whatsoever. Exactly. Everything that happened, happened. Oh, fear dimension? Totally fine. Fear dimension? Totally fine. Not only do I believe it, I am the one who is going to explain it to everybody else.
1: And I'm going to science it away. I mean, the rift, like I get the rift. Like, there's a rift and he closes the rift and he finds a way to close the rift. Okay. But, like, the idea that he's, like... And first of all, this is in the first 15 minutes. We spend no time struggling with what the fuck in this episode. No time struggling with what the fuck. We just go right to it as though this is something we've encountered before, which, by the way, no, we have not. Nobody has. It's a goddamn fear dimension. So (laughs) that thing that made me crazy, because out of all the people who could have argued for the fear dimension and figuring it out, Fitz is not the guy.
0: The opposite of the person who should have been doing. It. I will say I like the idea of like shooting super gravity into it to force it no, to collapse. I like I think that, that feels great. like a fit response. Yes, but he should have been a, he should have been storming around being insufferable about yes. the fact that a feared dimension can exist, which yes. is pretty fucking insufferable, and why I'm mad that they walked back ghosts last season. But. <laughs> I remain yes. mad about it. I'm salty about it.
1: I. That's fine. You can and remain you know salty. What? They,
0: mm-hmm. they, kept, they kept the demonic stunt yeah. driver. So uh-huh. I guess Fitz can go ahead and sit on it as far as no <laughs> ghosts or demons.
1: <laughs> yes. No, Fitz should be the one who does not not only accept this, but like know what it is, explain it, and then figure out a sciencey way to deal with a metaphorical, fantastical element. Fuck off. Fitz is yeah, not the guy. It's bad. Fitz is not the guy for that. I do, however, I gotta say. Love Fitz's psychic split. I love the 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 bad doctor coming in and I love the fact too that we've got this whole fight club thing going on right you know where Mm -hmm, when we mm -hmm. see two of them in a room it's always when Fitz is by himself and then here we have you know where Fitz you hear Fitz arguing with you know the doctor and then Daisy's like who are you talking to who are you talking to and she's freaked out and then that's the moment where you start to be like the doctor isn't a manifestation of the fear dimension the doctor is literally part of him that he is trying to integrate and then what I loved even more is that he fucking does this horrible thing to Daisy against her will because he knows it's the right thing and then he says I still think it was the right thing to do the complicated moral terrain there is so fucking awesome I loved that it was the only thing I loved in this entire back half but I loved it.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like the moment that I realized that Fitz as the doctor wasn't going to be the big deal that he deserved to be was probably the moment that my hope died.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: think I was like, oh, all right. Well, yeah. I'll buckle in to see what happens.
1: There you go. Because that could have been really interesting. We still haven't dealt with the fallout of the doctor. And this idea, this idea of not just Fitz, but Gemma, them both going dark together. I fucking loved that. I thought that was great. Bad girl shenanigans with Yo-Yo and Fitz and Simmons. I am into yeah. it when they when they trick Mac and throw Mac into the cell and escape Fitz out. And the fact that she's like, I didn't know. Which one it was? I didn't know. It was, you know, and she's proving her whole invincible theory. I Wild. loved all that shit. I loved all of that. That was great. It was the only good stuff. Yeah, the bad girl shenanigans is... fits a psychic split. The only good stuff in this back half.
0: What's more? <laughs> longtime <laughs> listeners of the show have heard me say often that one of the best things superhero stories do is externalize internal mm-hmm. conflict, right? Yeah. That's one reason it works. As an analogy or Mm -hmm. as a metaphor or for children, (laughs) you know, the people that superheroes were originally created for. Um, And this fear dimension, even if you close it, Mm -hmm. was such a great opportunity to literally externalize
1: Mm -hmm. the doctor
0: so -hmm. that Fitz could literally come face to face with his dark side. Like Mm -hmm. the whole season, if, if Dr. Fitz had been like a a nightmare manifestation that got away and went and joined Hale. Yes. I mean, that's more interesting than literally everything else. And it actually deals with his trauma in a way that I think is appropriate to the genre. Mm -hmm. You know, just go fucking Superman 3 on this shit. Absolutely.
1: Yes. No, I love it. I love it. It was so great and such a fucking waste. And then, and then... And then well, okay, the wedding happens before just, Fitz's psychic split.
0: But just cruise past it. Nobody cared. Nobody liked it. I know everybody's been shipping fucking Fitzsimmons since no, minute one. I have
1: I have I have been shipping them since the beginning. I hated the proposal. I hate the wedding. I hate the idea <laughs> that a wedding, that a marriage is an, is a happily ever after. It's just like a one day past a happily ever after and everything's supposed to be happy after that. I hate The use of marriage that way, it drives me crazy. So anyway, that whole thing was really, really stupid, and I hated it. Uh, Um,
0: Especially considering where the two of them wind up. You know, (laughs) with one of them dead... And the other one going, yeah, but I got another one in the freezer. I it's got fine. another
1: one in the back. Yes, exactly. We're going to talk about that in just a minute because oh, yeah, oh my s- fucking god! I feel
0: like you can't not bring that up if we're going to talk about wedding as theoretical happy ending. Wedding
1: is the Fuck theoretical wedding. Yes, exactly. No, that whole thing is awful. But before we get to dead fits, which we will get to in just a minute, um, Deke. All right.
0: Uh, yeah, I. I know I, why.
1: I know. I know why everybody hates him. I understand why everybody hates him. I, I'm, I am completely sympathetic to it. I like him. I can't help it. I don't know if it's because of Jeff Ward as an actor or what it is, but I just, I like Deke. I can't help it. I'm ashamed of it. If that helps at all. I
0: never shamed you <laughs> for liking Ward. Yes, you I did. I didn't agree.
1: <gasps> yes, you no, did. No, I didn't
0: agree with you. <laughs> I vehemently disagreed with you, but I never shamed you for it. I understand. People like whatever thing they like. You can you can enjoy. The motto any of Chipperish is love thing. what you love. That's right. That's right. Except for Deke. Except for Deke. <laughs> there's no there's no redeeming. Why is he fucking here? Like even
1: He's annoying. Um he's weird. His whole crush on adorable. Daisy is gross. Oh. All his crush it. is creepy.
0: I, I his crush get is it. Creepy.
1: You're right. I don't know why I like him. I just do. There's something about him that I enjoy and I cannot, I literally cannot stop myself. I'm just admitting it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it <sighs> no, is. It's... I don't know what it says about me. I'm taking it to my therapist. It's okay. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah. And OK, everybody jump forward 15 seconds because I'm going to share a minor spoiler that <laughs> definitely upsets me. It has been revealed to me that he continues to be a thing. And yeah. God damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's worse than season six. You think you don't know like him now? I haven't seen season seven yet but it's worse than season six. Okay, so here's the other thing, though. Like, regardless okay. regardless of my shame, and I, I understand and I accept that, I <laughs> I also, like, completely agree with you while at the same time have Oof. a soft spot. I have a soft spot. I can't help it. How old? Okay, here's the thing. Deke is born 50 years after the present day. Uh, Fitz and Simmons right now, they're about 30. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're I about, think that's they're reasonable. they about 30. Right. Okay. So that means that Gemma living in a dystopian future has uh-huh. a baby at, let's say, the age of 40, right? Who then has a baby. Generously,
0: let's say. Generously. 40. Yes.
1: Who then would have a baby in a uh-huh. dystopian future uh-huh. at the age of 40.
0: Which literally does not make sense with their own set internal timeline from the lighthouse pod, because Deke said he was one of the last to be born that way, which would mean that they were letting humans for reproduce 40 years for 50 for years, forty years, 50 yeah. years,
1: because it would have started the dystopia would have started now, like now-ish, now ish. Yeah. Right. And it was 50 years after that that he something. was born and he's like mm-hmm. 25, 26. Right. So we'll give him that. So 50 years into the future. How in the world, like, okay, look, here's the thing. Like, women can have babies at 40. It has been known to happen, it happens all the time, and it's great. It's not easy it does require like, you know, that is known over the age of 35, it's a higher risk pregnancy, right, absolutely. you know, and it's not to say that she didn't have a higher risk pregnant, but like, okay, you are the daughter of Fitz and Simmons and you're growing up in a dystopian future. I mean, I guess she has, first of all, an accidental pregnancy at 40, which is a little difficult because I can't imagine choosing in a dystopian future at 40 to be like, now's a good time. I've got this great job in processing. Um, you know and
0: uh now i just want to do it like baby boom well you know
1: <laughs> i've basically
0: clawed my way to the top of the heap in processing i don't really see
1: any other vistas
0: for me to conquer here in the lighthouse i've managed to I kill it's time. about
1: seven or eight motherfuckers in the last renewal i'm feeling good i'm feeling strong let me try to get pregnant let me I gotta try pass these to get pregnant, on. That's Gemma. That's what I gotta do, right? Like, uh, let, let me please, by choice, bring a child into this existence, like an accidental pregnancy at forty. Okay, all the people yelling at me. Yes, it can happen. It can happen, but like that, Gemma at the at the age of forty would decide that she wanted a baby and and was gonna have, and then that her daughter at the age of 40 and the thing is that it's also the only child either one of them has had so like they can clearly unless they decided never to have sex like it's, it's not like okay in a dystopian future do you have access to birth control probably not fine fair enough the first child you have without having any birth control your entire you know fertile life is at 40 Deke doesn't have any brothers and sisters
0: <laughs> yeah I was about to say with the whole like it makes no sense for them not to immediately put birth control in the water, because if you, it, like, let's say, let's say Cree don't entirely understand yeah. humans. That seems reasonable. We've got evidence for that. They don't really get us culturally or, you right. know, psychologically. Sure. Uh-huh. And so they're like, nah, it'll be fine. Let them reproduce. Where are we going to get more? Uh-huh. And 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 then a, a group of completely normal adults, mm-hmm. let's say, just for yeah. positing the scenario, have that first round of kids. And then a, you flash forward about 13 years later, and all of a sudden- you're surrounded by teenagers. Uh-huh. And you know what teenagers do? They have sex. And they you know what they don't sex. think about? Mm-hmm. They don't think about birth control. And so that second generation all of a sudden showing up within 10 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Cree would be like, oh, shit. We did not see this coming. Put some birth control in the water exactly. like right away. Right away they would yeah. do.
1: the whole thing doesn't make any sense whatsoever and I think it's one of these things where you're like not supposed to think about it but the thing is is that no. 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 Nobody make
0: him their child like that doesn't make any less sense and would actually make their attachment to him
1: much more impactful. If he was their child, then he would be like 75 years old now. Like, you know, and even as their, he would be their great, yeah, as right. their great grandchild, as put another generation in as their great grandchild. But the thing is, they need to make the connection so that it's his mom talking about. None Ugh. of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. It's all completely dumb. Um, then we've got Schrodinger's Fitz, who is both dead and alive, right? Yeah. At the end of this, we have Fitz, our Fitz, Fitz that we've lived through all of this with. He dies. And we have a moment, Mac cries, May cries, May has an emotion. Like, that's how intense this is for 30 seconds. And then we're just like, okay, we got another one. I'll tell Fitz. That is like... Gemma, because the thing is, it's like, yes, there's another Fitz out there. And yes, I understand Gemma going and finding him because she cannot deal with that grief. I get it. But that, but her Fitz still died. That doesn't make that not real. That doesn't make the experiences that she had with him not real. The fact that she married him not real. All of those things that they experienced were real and he was real and he
0: died. It's pretty bad, Lonnie. It's pretty bad.
1: We've got another one in the freezer. I mean, come on.
0: It's not good. It's, it's not not good. It's not good. Like I don't even understand. Okay. I know exactly what podcast network I'm on when I say this, so I am just prepared to be both added on this microphone and in Discord and on Twitter, and it's fine. Yes. But, man, the only reason Fitz died is some weed and fuckery. There's no other reason. (laughs) There is no other reason.
1: This, yeah, I believe that episode was written by Jed Whedon, who is Joss Whedon's younger brother. Um, and yes, so is it? Is it some Whedon fuckery? A little bit. A little bit. What
0: else explains it? Like, it's never given any actual weight in the uh, well, story we don't. so why, mean, we even thing. why are it's we going to have that it's just if
1: we don't treat it like it's fucking real it's yeah. real he really died like I can see absolutely if I was Gemma I would absolutely be like I am going into space and I am getting my husband back but it's not her husband but Like it's not and the her thing husband is, this is the thing like it's fits and it's still her fits, but it's not the same it's just not the fucking same and so no. like that's got to be a thing it's not a thing I'll tell you right now not going to be a thing not to spoil not going to be a thing really fucking annoying we've just got another fits in the freezer and everything's fine that annoys me to no end and this is the thing this is what happens we have this thing where we have all of these really interesting things that are going on all of these really interesting opportunities for questions and for thought experiments and all of these things even these deep emotional moments that we can have Mm -hmm. and we just treat them so cheaply and move through them so quickly and we don't spend any time with them and i mean even as i'm writing all my notes for this as a side i'm like may and colson is a thing which remains
0: gross and unearned like i don't like it on its face but they also don't put the work in
1: he kisses her while they're being shot at by aliens that is not a romantic moment Boy, they want
0: it to be like a motherfucker, but it just is not
1: super want it to be it. That is not a romantic moment. That is a moment where you are going to die. Like, I understand you've got a shield there, but (laughs) while you're not watching the aliens advance on you, right? I mean, the aliens could have just stopped their kissing, could have just run them down and come up on either side and been like boom to the head because he's kissing her and he's not paying attention to what's going on. It was so, it was meant to be romantic. It was incredibly stupid. Then we have this moment later with Daisy where she's like, so you and May made out. And I'm like, no, let us never speak of it. Just, no, it's, I mean, and the thing is like, I don't have a problem necessarily with the May and Coulson romance, like fine, you know, they've been friends for a long time, like fine, whatever. Um, All of it. You know, and especially the, I love you. I thought that would shut you up. And then he kisses her. I thought that would shut you up. Like, no, it's not cute. It's just not like it's all really gross. Like, I don't mind the idea of May and Colson being together. The way that it's executed, I absolutely hate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't entirely by them as a couple, but that's mostly yeah. because they have overhauled May's personality with a wrench this season. They
1: haven't seeded them as a couple. They have seated no. them as best friends up until now, and so to have that suddenly turn, because you do a flashback into Russia where they were flirting with each other, so you're retconning this whole thing. No, fuck off. Having them fall in love with each other now and realize after having been friends for a long time that they actually have feelings for each other, like... That's a process. I don't mind going through that process. But to pretend like this had been there all along, it fucking had not. No. So, yeah, I'm just like the whole thing I find irritating. It's just poorly Mm. done. I don't mind it in concept had it been done well. Um, But no, no. But
0: no. no. In the end. It's just no.
1: poorly poorly executed uh, so we've got you know like Daisy who is the destroyer of worlds who's supposed to be at the center of this whole thing do we care like is there anything going on with Daisy that's really all that interesting I mean aside from the moment when she has her powers given back to her by the doctor which I think is part of the only awesome part of this season right um, yeah but she's
0: luggage that's not about her
1: yeah like, exactly that's about but no, well, I think yeah but I like Daisy's performance I like Chloe Bennett. Sure. I always like Chloe Bennett's performance I always love Chloe Bennett I think she's fantastic I just don't think that they gave the character much interesting stuff to do i do you know even though like the whole phil dying thing and everything like you know when she you know when she's upset because he's dying he's her father you know their family the i love you i think that that's nice like i'm i'm like i'm fine but i'm not as affected by it like in this season it that is a huge thing like the idea that colson is going to die like that's a big deal we don't really take a whole lot of time with that until, you know, it, there's just because there's so much. It's worse. Much. It's worse
0: than not taking time. It's worse than not taking mm-hmm. time. They fucking fake us out four different times.
1: Uh, yeah. Mm hmm.
0: That just it's just cheap. It's just cheap. And I know, I'll well, tell there you was this. One
1: time where you texted me and you're like, I know he's not going to die. And I was like, OK.
0: OK. I knew he wasn't going to die.
1: When they had to restart his heart. When they right. had to like, how many times has this fucker died?
0: Part of it was the fact that they were faking us out. But yeah. also, I will admit, I will admit right now, that text came very early in the season yes. mm-hmm. before I realized that they were trying to wrap things up. Like, yeah. if I'd realized they were trying to wrap things up, I would have been a little less skeptical. Right. Except that, by the time I get to the end, I would have been skeptical all over again because right. they have low-key killed him three or four times. Three or four
1: times! He's dead. Well, I'll tell
0: you what. Yeah. I have not always loved this show, as you know. Yeah. But I never fucking thought that I would just declare it cheap.
1: (laughs) It was really cheap. This this back half of this season was really cheap. This was supposed
0: to be the Swan Song. I don't get it. I do not get it. I think
1: they just tried to stuff 40 pounds of story into a 10 pound bag and it wasn't all great story. Some of it was cheap goods and they just shoved it in there. Um, You're
0: so nice. I think they had a 40 pound sack. They had about 15 (laughs) pounds of story. Put that in there and went shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) and just pumped it full of air. I don't know. I think they took time away from the things that they could have done because they, pu- they put too much stuff in there. Grava Talbot, all of the antagonists, the revolving door of antagonists when it should have been Cassius, but I'm not going to make that argument again. Um, <laughs> so all of it, all of it ends up being with moments and certain like there are moments like uh, Talbot as as with the Gravitonium I don't mind I wouldn't have minded that in another season that was about that like I really yeah. wouldn't have minded that that would have been really interesting ask those questions about his general essential goodness and a man who recognizes what he's done and how it's bad tries to change and ends up becoming a super villain in the process I love that shit I think no, that that's great. great that would have been awesome
0: that would have been spe- and and Talbot yeah. was legitimately set up to be that to kind of shield exactly without that. anyone trying like exactly. they just wrote Talbot yes and, and and they just wrote him and that's why when they get to that point that I was like mm-hmm. yeah because 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 you just said a thing that I think is is almost right for yeah. Talbot's arc even mm-hmm. the kind of truncated one mm-hmm. which is you were like he realizes he did wrong and he's trying to change he's not I think he's trying to fix it without changing. Which is how you become a supervillain. Which is even
1: more interesting. Right. Exactly. 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 But he's still doing the same thing. That would have been wonderful. It would have been so great if they had done a whole season of that. That would have been awesome. Or even a full half season that was dedicated to that. And that's what that was about. That would have been great. I would have loved it. But they fucked it up. So it all became a big fat mess. And now I have to ask you the question that I have been afraid to ask you this entire time. But Joshua Unruh for the second half of season five, Ages of the Shield. Oh, what's your favorite part? (laughs)
0: when it ended and I could go literally do anything else. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I know that that is snarky. I know. But it is true. Mm -hmm. I did not enjoy myself very much at all throughout the entire thing. Uh Uh-huh. I can kind of talk myself into liking Talbot as Graviton. Mm-hmm. You've heard me do it. Mm-hmm. I thought his turn was decently laid out. And mm-hmm. the fact that they did it by accident is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's ruined by the fact that we're treating this right wing nut job like he's always been a super great guy because he joined the military and blew up the the air quotes, right? People. Right. People. Mm-hmm. Which friends is basically this show's entire problem. <laughs> And don't you all wish I had just stopped at the snarky answer. Lonnie? No. what's your favorite
1: part? I appreciate your honesty, Unruh. Um, I, the good Fitz and the bad doctor. I loved it. I loved this. Fitz's psychic split was absolutely my favorite thing. It is one of my favorite things, honestly, in the entire run of the show. And of course, it, is, it is in the middle of this big turd of a back half of this season. This one little gem, you know, and it was so wonderfully done.
0: I think that's why... I didn't say that, honestly, yeah. because mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this broad vista of opportunities opens up in front of me, and then they do nothing with it. And I'm yeah. just like, well, how can I take this good thing that they don't do anything with and make it my favorite? I just it's can't. My, it can't. was
1: absolutely my favorite part. Absolutely know, my favorite part. I get it. I get it. I just <laughs> I not But yeah, couldn't. it is hugely disappointing to have something that great in the middle of this pit. It's just a pit. It's not good.
0: If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Dian Rich and I am at Joshua Unruh and the hashtag is Listen Up A-Holes and friends, I'm usually a lot more positive about things than this. (sighs)
1: We try to be. We definitely try to be. This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by the Chipperish and Pulp Diction producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our September producers, Abigail, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelly. Thank you, producers, and to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, this message is for you. You can tell the general there's nothing she can do to make me join her evil League of Evil.
0: <laughs> I mean, Colson already had an evil League of Evil. <laughs> <It's> called Shield. <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or leave a bunch of lemons in Daisy's bunk.
1: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We will be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, the whole season 13 episodes. Until then, it means our daughter's going to marry some belligerent space goon and give birth to a deke.
0: I would make my vasectomy appointment the next day.
1: <laughs>